Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. Hi everyone. Welcome to episode two of Not the Farmer's Wife. I'm CJ, your host. And today we're going to talk about women and the history of women in farming. What do you call a female farmer? I've, there's a lady over in Ireland that calls the, herself a farmerette. Um, but realistically, in the past, they've been called farmers' wives, drovers' wives, domestics, farm domestics, farm hands, ranch hands. There's no real differentiating name for a female farmer because at the end of the day, I guess we're just farmers, aren't we? The funny bit is, in Australia, and I don't know the history so well in the US, but certainly in Australia, up until 1994, a woman could not legally put her status down as farmer on any legal documents. In 1994, that changed, and that's a good thing. Seems like a too distant change to me it probably should have occurred closer to the 60s than the 90s but at least it happened in western cultures certainly women have always been involved in farming Um, not recognized but certainly involved uh, for the growing and harvesting but they've also been relegated to other duties on the farm like being the mum being the carer being the household manager, the first aid person. (laughs) Some of the non-farming roles that women (laughs) took up were gardening and harvesting of fruit and vegetables, raising chickens, milking goats and cows, and then from that, cheese making, spinning wool and fabric making, uh, preserving foods, bread making, A lot of women were beekeepers, so they would keep the store of bees on the farm. They also were responsible usually for keeping fires going in winter, particularly if the male farmer was outside of the house working. And that sometimes involved splitting wood. I have an interesting story of my mum trying to split wood without anybody else being there to help her. And uh, I was only a kid. My brother was there. We were both home. But she was very, very determined to do it herself. And she uh, was splitting chip heater wood. For anybody that doesn't know what a chip heater is, that is a uh, source of making hot water when you don't have hot water. So it was a, a little wood burner that would have water go through a jacket around the outside of the fire. You would heat it up to a certain point, put water in at one side. And because of the heat of the fire, the water that would rise to the top and come out of the other side out of the spout was hot. So you could have a hot bath or, you know, heat up water for other things on the farm. So we used to have to cut our own chip heater wood and you had to cut it into little pieces because that would make the fire burn hotter. 
and mum was out at the chopping block on her own and chopped and got a finger instead um came walking inside to me and said Cass I think I've fucked it <laughs> which uh I looked and went yeah I think you might have mum <laughs> I was all of 15 and I had to drive her into the hospital uh, my brother who was only a year older than me um he uh, took one look at the side of the blood and probably passed out. So, uh, yeah, women women were still doing those roles, which were deemed to be farmer roles, and, and they're certainly part of farming, but women have done them for so long and just not had the recognition for it. In developing countries, of course, women have, have been predominant farmers for a long time, um, I was lucky enough to spend four years living and working in Papua New Guinea in the 90s. And certainly the women that went out to tend the gardens and tend the animals, um, were they were the main food source for, for the family in some cases. Um, in Western cultures, though, uh, women generally were relegated to a farmer's helper or the domestic or the farmer's wife. Then, as wars have occurred over our modern history, uh, World War One, and then particularly in World War Two, women had to step up and do a lot of the roles that men who had gone off to war were doing normally. Uh, and some of you, especially my US listeners, would remember Rosie the Riveter, who I actually use as a as a bit of a logo for myself online, uh, because I really respect the fact that that women showed we could step up to these roles, uh, traditional male roles, and we stepped up and we could do them just as well. Uh, but after World War II ended, the women that had taken over farming roles were relegated back to those positions of, you know, the housekeeper, the, the farmer's wife, the, you know, carer of children. Um, and it was probably post-World War II that we started to get into the real industrialised farming which involved machinery and mechanics. And I think a lot of women stepped back from farming at that point because they, it was, it was an assumed thing that women wouldn't know about farming or mechanics or, or you know, how to use machinery or tractors or things like that, even though I've seen some pretty capable women. Uh, but, but that was the time back then when women were just seen as being more of the caregiver. Uh, then during the 70s and 80s, certainly, um, that's when my mother uh, became very interested in farming. Um, she'd always lived in the city at that point. And um, some would consider it the hippie movement, I guess, um, or the self-sufficiency movement. It's when permaculture started becoming uh, a word that we, we took into our language and started to understand. And the women that were interested in that, and it was predominantly women that, that seemed to go with that movement, were referred to as hippies, new farmers, or in Australia, a really common term was alternative lifestylers, which I think is what my mother used to refer to herself as. And they were people that had grown tired of living in the suburbs and having to rely on the supermarkets for their food source. They wanted a more natural uh, food source. They wanted to understand where their food was coming from better and be responsible for their food. And certainly that's when people started um, community gardens. Uh, people started 
uh, not just selling but trading so you might grow you know a whole bunch of tomatoes that year and the next door neighbor's growing zucchinis and you'd swap your tomatoes for your zucchinis um, my mum certainly at that point became interested in having milking goats uh, and chickens and because we lived in the suburbs at that point I was still quite young that's when she started looking for land because she realised that she couldn't do it in a suburban block on the scale that she wanted to do it. Of course, now we know that there's so many things you can do on a suburban block that, that go a long way to that. You don't have to move to a large acreage to be able to farm. But uh, women certainly showed themselves in that era to be really awesome farmers they, they have a nurturing side to them that allows them, I think, to uh, care for animals in a better way, but also to care for gardens. And I, I'm certainly no green thumb. I definitely have a brown thumb. It takes me a lot to get a veggie garden looking as awesome as my mum used to have hers looking. But um, I certainly still try. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. <laughs> uh, but women definitely during that time uh, became much more attuned to mother earth and managing it um, i think they really stood out at that kind of point in time unfortunately through the 70s and 80s they were still massively underrepresented as far as farming went and i think um, post world war ii there was a lot of issues with women not being able to own their own land so if a woman um, came from a farming family and didn't have any brothers who were in succession to take over the farm from dad, then generally what would happen would be she would marry somebody who would then take over the farm from her father. So it was not being handed down uh, the female line, but rather handed down the male line, even if that man wasn't raised on the farm, wasn't a direct relative of that family. Um, but it was still an assumed thing that the woman would not take over the ownership of the land and that it would actually pass through to a man to look after. Even though some women were far better farmers uh, because they'd grown up in that environment, but also that was their life. Um, and I don't think anybody really gave them a choice, which is kind of sad. But, I mean, we have, we have moved on a long way since then. But certainly... Uh, in Australia, and I think certainly in the States as well, economically, women were not deemed to be the farmer. They were deemed to be, um, you know, the drover's wife, the farmer's wife. They looked after and cared for children. They, in some cases, were expected to feed all the farm workers, certainly in Australia, out on some of the big stations. Uh, women were seen as the person who fed, um, first aided, managed quite often did the books in most cases um, and they would just be expected to do all that but but not really receive the recognition for it as time's gone on women in all industries uh, have stepped up to the plate and become more um, aware of what they are capable of and what they can do and certainly now in Australia, and I believe also in the States, uh, women are now really relishing that role of being the farmer and taking over farming properties. Um, I think 
in the States, I was reading, there was a, a lady who uh, took over the farm from her father and she was considered to be one of the first lady farmers and that was in the 80s or 90s. So still not so far into the past. Um, I would have expected it to come up a bit sooner than that. But now we have women who run massive cattle stations here in Australia. Um, we have women who are, you know, the, the primary um, crop producer on farms, running dairies. And, you know, while we can all stand back and say, well, we knew that women could do anything, you know, the old Rosie the Riveter, we can do it. Uh, it's taken us a long time to get to that point. And now that we are at that point, I, I think we really need to um, have more women step forward and say, yes, this is a job that I want to do. It's not a glamorous job, and I think that probably puts some women off. Certainly in my current day job, um, I work in a non-traditional female industry. Um, I'm law enforcement at the moment, and law enforcement's not seen as a particularly glamorous job. <laughs> And I think farming gets a bad rap in that respect that women say, well, you know, I could sit in an office and I could have my hair done and, and I could look, you know, I could wear nice clothes and, and not really get my hands dirty. But there's so many women that I know out there who are quite happy to get their hands dirty and they don't want to sit in an office wearing nice clothes. It's such an individual choice. And, and while I would never knock anybody who... Who wants to sit in an office and do that? That's if that's their if that's what they want, if that's what drives them and it's their passion, then absolutely that's what they should do. Um, I've got a friend who wouldn't be seen dead outside the house without makeup on. Whereas for me, if I have to put makeup on, I have to go search for it because I actually can't remember where I last put it because it's been so long since I last used it. Um, I think women need to start understanding that it's okay to follow their passion and that that is not necessarily what everybody else thinks it's going to be. And for me, the idea of having to get up at two o'clock in the morning to go and check on a kidding goat and make sure that the babies are going to arrive safely, um, I love it. I love that. And the fact that I'm exhausted the next morning is so long as we have a happy ending and I get the kids out and they're happy, healthy and feeding off mum, I could be exhausted all day and I would still be in heaven. That's my idea of the perfect life. It's not everybody's and that's okay. But for those of us that really enjoy it, I think it's really important that we grab a hold of it with both hands now that we're in a position where it's okay for women to say I'm the farmer and run with it and say this is my passion I want to be a beekeeper I want to grow my garden vegetables to sell at the markets I want to raise super fine merinos that make awesome wool um, I want to run a dairy I, I want to do small batch dairy and cheese make and it would just be awesome if that's what your passion is, then you really need to grab a hold of it with both hands and run with it. And if people tell you that farming doesn't make money, well, 
that's a whole nother episode coming up. <laughs> Farming certainly has had its ups and downs financially. Um, but at the end of the day, without farmers, we would be hungry, sober, dread that thought, and naked. Because without farmers, we'd have no food, nothing to drink other than water, and no clothes to wear. Um, we can't all live in polyester, so I'd rather be in wool or cotton. Or hemp is the next one coming up, which will be lovely seeing more hemp clothes arrive because very sustainable crop. Uh, but without without farmers, life would not exist. So I think there's a turning point coming up. And like I said, this will be another episode down the track. There's a turning point coming up for whether or not farming is a, a hobby or whether it's a income producing job. Um, and I think we're definitely spearing off towards that higher income. People are starting to appreciate more and more what farmers actually do for them. Uh, and and people are getting more uh, concerned about how we do it. So they certainly seem to be more willing to pay to have it done sustainably and um, environmentally friendly. So anyway, I've ranted on a bit about that. That was a bit of a side note. So... Women in farming, we've always been there. It's always been something that we've done. We just really didn't get the recognition for it in the past. Certainly as we go forward, there's uh, a lot more chance for women to be recognised as the farmer on the farm. And whether that's a two-acre, you know, veggie garden that they're producing enough and, and on two acres you certainly could produce enough to be selling at the markets as well as feeding their family or whether it's a thousand acre cattle stud it's yeah we're still the farmer we just need to start putting it out there more that we're not the farmer's wife we're actually the farmer anyway I hope you've enjoyed this um, if there's any topics that you'd like me to cover please let me know and I am more than happy to to look into it and hopefully over the next couple of episodes we might have some visitors to come on as well and that'd be great thanks everyone see you next time thanks so much for listening today i hope you've enjoyed our time together if you did i'd be so grateful if you left me a review i would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favorite socials at either not the farmer's wife or mojo homestead and don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya.